Hello and welcome to church. It's great to have you with us again. Uh, today uh, we are back uh, for church at home. Although I do know that there are lovely people right now at church watching church at home. And if you haven't done that yet but would like to, then book in and come and do church at home at church. Uh, it's a really nice time of fellowship. Last week we had about 16 people here. And so this week I know there's, there's uh, the full numbers uh, today. Uh, so it's great that we've got that happening today. Next week, though, if you haven't had a chance to come in and do church at home at church with 20 other people plus essential personnel, you are welcome to do that. And so I really encourage you to come and do church with us. This morning we are going to worship the Lord. Uh, we're going to do that in song. We're going to do that by giving. We're going to do that by praying. We're going to do that by listening and hearing to the word, from the Word of God. And so I want to encourage us this morning as we do worship to, to sing to our great God. Uh, so let's do that now uh, after I pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are indeed a mighty God. And today as we look at the example of faith in, in Moses uh, Lord, we thank you that we have these wonderful stories from your scriptures that just um, reach into our lives today and speak to us so clearly. Right now, Lord, we want to worship you. We want to lift your name high. We want to praise the one who is immortal, who is invisible, who is indeed God. And so may you be blessed as we lift praises high to you this morning and, uh, and, and sing to you. Uh, amen. Uh, let's let's stand and sing.
for us this week uh, Wednesday night we have got midweek worship so if you're a musician in part of our, our music worship team 
come along. We'd love to have you with us. And also, um, if you just love singing or want to get out of the house, then come along. Seven o'clock Wednesday night for midweek worship. We're really looking forward to, uh, to being able to join together and, and worship the Lord together. Uh, that is also going to be a time where you can be led in a devotion about uh, worship as well and, 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 and learn more about God's heart for us to worship Him. Uh, so come along Wednesday night. Uh, I know that small groups have been back meeting. Ours met this week on, on Wednesday night. It was really great to be able to, to open the word together and to be able to do life together um, with other people uh, around the word and to be encouraged by that. So if you haven't got into a small group, do that. They're all back uh, able to be up and running again. And so I'd encourage you to get into small groups. Um, we have got a few other things coming up. We still don't know any more information about when restrictions might be lifted and when we might be able to get back to normal. We will continue to do church at home until we can do church live again, which means we'll have over 50 people gathering in church. Uh, so I just want to let you know that. And when we do go back to live church, we will still record the message and upload that online Sunday afternoons. Uh, so, so I just want to, to, I guess, set mind at ease that for those that have been connecting with us online, uh, you can still do that even when we do come back live. Uh, so I, I want to share that with you this morning. And uh, as we come before our offering now, um, I really encourage you to continue to give out a worship to the Lord uh, for those that are able and uh, to, to appreciate the goodness and, and, and have a heart of thanksgiving towards the Lord for all that he's blessing us with. Uh, we have got some beautiful sunny days uh, interspersed with some cold wintry ones too uh, and we had really good frost and everything this week and I just love the fact that God is a God who governs the seasons. He puts them in place and he gives us sun, he gives us rain, he gives us clouds, he gives us everything that we need to be successful in life. And so I just want to uh, come this morning before him with gratitude for what he's given us. So let's pray now and, uh, and, and bring our offerings before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great provision. Lord, you provide us with warmth, you provide us with cool, you provide us with everything that we need, with water, with everything. And so we come before you with hearts that are full of thanks, with hearts that express gratitude to you in the way that you have indeed blessed us and continue to bless us. And so, Lord, as we give back to you a small portion of what you've given to us, may we do that gladly and with joy as we continue to support your ministry that brings hope to the North and uh, that, that supports the gospel works all over the world. We thank you and we praise you and bless you, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, let's get into the message today. Today we continue our series in Hebrews 11 with a wonderful example today of Moses. But it's not just Moses that gives us uh, the example of faith in our passage from Hebrews today. What we see from Hebrews chapter 11 verses 23 through 28 is faith for generations. Many of the men in our church would have heard me speak about the legacy of faith at a men's breakfast last year that I shared about the legacy of faith that I have inherited from previous generations and the challenge that I gave to our men about what legacy we are leaving to the next generations. You know, faith can reach far into the future through generations. 
and I will share more about my family a little bit later this morning. The story of Moses is a great example of faith for generations, um, just like my family. Uh, Moses was a descendant of Israel's. He was born of Hebrew parents from the tribe of Levi, and they were living in Egypt. And we're not told much about Moses' parents. We are not told their names, but we are told that they are from the tribe of Levi. And the Israelites had been in Egypt uh, for some 350 years at this point. Moses is born 64 years after Joseph dies. And at the time when Moses is born, there is a new king, a new pharaoh, and he is afraid of how strong, numerous and vigorous the Israelites, the Hebrews, were becoming. And Exodus chapter 1 tells us this. This pharaoh didn't know Joseph and was fearful that the Israelites would rise up and overthrow him. And so he enslaves the Hebrews. And he made them work hard building bricks, cities and stores. His fear was so great that that even he instructed the Israelite midwives, the Hebrew midwives, to kill all the boys at birth. But the midwives feared the Lord. They didn't do as they were commanded by Pharaoh and were blessed by God. But Pharaoh instructed all boys under two years old to be killed, to try and stop the prolific expansion of this now enslaved people. But the Bible tells us that the more they were oppressed, the greater in number they became. And it is right in the middle of all this that Moses is born. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Moses experienced the blessings of the faith of previous generations. His parents gave him a start. They saw something special in him and at great personal risk defied the king and hid Moses, protecting him from being killed. Moses was a beneficiary of the faith of the midwives as well. Moses' parents provided him with a future. They put him in a basket and hid him in the reeds of the Nile River, where the Pharaoh's daughter found him. His sister looked on to to see what would happen to him, and when he was pulled out of the river... Moses was crying and Pharaoh's daughter had pity on him. Moses' sister then spoke up, very brave thing to do, and asked if the princess would like one of the Hebrews to nurse Moses. She agreed and so Moses' sister brought her mother. Moses was then raised by his own mother and not only that, but she was actually paid wages by Pharaoh's daughter to do so. And when Moses grew older, he was returned to Pharaoh's daughter and raised as a prince of Egypt. Moses experienced the blessings of the faith of his mother. He experienced the blessings of the faith 
of previous generations. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 to 25. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses demonstrated faith for his generation. Exodus 2, 11 to 15 records for us the account of Moses going out to his people. He sees the burdens placed on them and he then sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. He couldn't stand by and do nothing when he saw injustice. He looks around to see if anyone was watching and then struck down the Egyptian, burying him in the sand. You know, injustice is all around us. It is an unfortunate reality in our fallen and sinful world. Most recently, Racial injustices have been highlighted by the events following the death of of George Floyd. Racism has no place in the life of a Christian. God treats all of humanity equally, and so should we. But we're also called to be reconcilers and bringers of hope. The greatest hope that anyone can have is to be reconciled to God. And once reconciled to God, we work on being reconciled with our fellow man through activating forgiveness because we have been forgiven ourselves. I don't have any answers to the problems of inequality in our world but I am praying for mass revival. I am praying that God would use this to draw people to himself. I read an article this week about the issue and it was saying that maybe the reason that racism is such a problem is because we aren't being Christian enough. Very provoking. But it hit me that Well, of course, that is true. Our society has progressively and increasingly opposed Christianity. The church has been sidelined from entering the conversation and Christians with it. So I'm not surprised that sinful behaviour is so rampant in a world that rejects the message of Christ. I am deeply saddened by this reality but not surprised. Moses did something when he saw injustice. He couldn't stand by and do nothing. He saw the disparity between his life of privilege and everyone else's. And he saw how the Hebrews were being treated and he acted. But the actions that he took were unwise. He killed a man. And killing someone should never be the first response to injustice. Murdering someone is wrong. The next day Moses returns and sees two of his fellow Hebrews fighting. And he asks why do they strike their companion? Exodus chapter 2 verse 14 to 15. 
He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Moses chose an unwise course of action when he saw injustice. And because of this, he had to flee. Determining the right course of action to take, choosing wisely in how we respond to injustice, is vitally important. Moses learnt that lesson the hard way because for him, the action he took to fight injustice meant he had to flee. He could no longer be part of the conversation. He could no longer be part of the solution because he just exacerbated the problem. He had to flee. Moses learnt that lesson the hard way and it's a lesson we would do well to heed today, to take wise, considered, thoughtful approaches to injustice in our world so that we make the right call in wisdom led by God. But what Moses did do and what is attributed to him as faith is that he turned back, he turned his back on a life of privilege. He gave up life as a prince to live a life that honoured God. He gave up wealth and power. He gave up the easy life. He gave up never having to want for anything. Instead, he chose his own people, a people who were enslaved, a people who were being persecuted, a people who were being mistreated. He chose a life with God over a life filled with the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses demonstrated faith for his generation. He gave it all up to be faithful to God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 26 to 27. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Verse 27. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. As Christ, the, the true Israel, truly suffered on behalf of the people of God, so too Moses, who similarly suffered on behalf of the people, is said to bear Christ's reproach. Consequently, Moses serves as a model for Christians to endure such reproach. And he does that for his generation. But Moses also led by faith for future generations. See, Moses actually leaves Egypt twice. The first one was to escape out of fear. This was, of course, because he'd killed a man and was escaping the wrath of Pharaoh. Whilst in exile, he no doubt learns humility through that experience, going from a prince of Egypt to a nobody. He's been rejected by his own people and by the Egyptians. He is a nobody from no one. 
But the first thing we see Moses do is he stands up for a group of women who are trying to water their flocks. Obviously, this was not an easy thing for them as they would be at the bottom of the pecking order of shepherds being all women. They would be pushed aside by all the other shepherds and made to wait until everyone else was done. But Moses stands up for them and he allows them to water their flocks. He yet again stands against injustice. These women end up being the daughters of the local priest who was surprised when they came home early and he asked why and they they told him about Moses. Moses, in fact, marries one of the daughters and, and lives as a shepherd. When Moses is 80 and still a shepherd, 40 years later, God calls to him in the burning bush and commissions him with the task of leading his people to the promised land of the covenant. Moses comes up with all manner of excuses but accepts the call of God. The Lord informs Moses that uh, all who might have it in for him are now dead uh, and that he can return in safety. So he packs up all of his family, puts them on a donkey and begins the journey back to Egypt. Moses first leads his family in the ways of the Lord. And so does his wife Zipporah, who saves Moses' life with an act of faithfulness, remembering the covenant. Men leading their families in faithfulness to God, supported by faithful women of God, is our first calling as husbands. This is what sparks faith in the next generations. You know, I've been the direct beneficiary of the faith of generations that have preceded me. Faithful fathers leading their families in faithful ways to the Lord. You know, the, the, the Wardle family go back many generations in Australia. Michael and Mary Wardle travelled from Staffordshire in England, uh, headed for South Australia. They set sail on the 23rd of January, 1839, on the Sir Charles Forbes, arriving in Holdfast Bay on the 7th of June, 1839. They then settled in Victor Harbour on the 4th of July, 1839. They came out with Reverend Newland to establish a church, and in fact, Michael helped build the first church in Victor Harbour. This church opened in 1846. Michael was a carpenter and no doubt helped build much of the pioneering community of Victor Harbour in those early days. Michael and Mary had 11 children. That's right, 11, no TV back then. First born was Ralph, whose line my family follows. He married Eliza, whose dad came out on the HMS Buffalo arriving as one of nine ships in the first fleet to settle South Australia in 1836. So my family heritage goes right back to the first fleet of South Australia. Ralph then had Michael on the 25th of June in 1858. And during that time, between 1858 um, and 1931, uh, they moved to Brim. Uh, And Michael actually died in Brim in 1931. And he married Mary. 
Their seventh child was Frank, who married Irene. And Frank had my grandfather, Royce, who married Lola, who had my dad, Clinton, who married Trish, and they bore me. I'm the third son. So I'm seventh or eighth generation Australian, free settler, if you like, if you go right back through through those through those um, through through that that generation, but throughout every generation there has been a strong Christian heritage with our family producing many men and women who have gone into the ministry, and my line particularly have been heavily involved in building into the spiritual fabric of their family and community and have served tirelessly for years. My great grandfather Frank was an elder in his church in Brim, as was my grandfather Royce, and he was also an elder in the church in Geelong and Baronia, uh, as, as was my nan. And my father is a pastor, and so is my mother. My cousin Shane Wardle uh, was a, even an instrumental part in starting the silo art, with the first installation occurring in Brim. Some of my dad's neighbours from the farm are pictured on that silo. And in fact, last week, we went on a family trip to Gurumbat and Devonish and saw some silo art. You know, truly magical work sparked as the idea um, from my family in Brim. But I've been the direct beneficiary of the generations that have gone before me, leaving a legacy of faith, hard work, community involvement and building into their families a strong work ethic, a strong sense of responsibility and providing excellent examples of a life lived in service to God and in service of our community. Lives lived by faith. And it's up to each of us to lead by faith for future generations. And it's also a joy to be able to hand over the baton to those next generations. To take what has been planted and sown in us by the previous generations, to take that and grow it faithfully and pass it on to the next. You know, I greatly appreciate all that has been imparted by the faithfulness of generations that have gone before us here at this church. You know, we are in a great position for an extremely healthy future. And this has not come by chance. It has come by faithfulness. And I'm excited about the next generations coming along and, and over time taking up the mantle of leadership to help lead and guide the future of, of our faithful um, witness here in Wangaratta and in the northeast for generations to come. But the second time that Moses left Egypt was actually to lead his people to freedom. Moses is faithful to God's call to bring his people out of Egypt. He challenges Pharaoh to, to let his people go. Yet God hardens Pharaoh's heart. The people are increasingly persecuted, yet Moses stays true to his calling and leads his people with strength, even though they're beginning to complain. He performs signs and wonders, yet Pharaoh's heart is hardened until finally the last plague befalls the nation, death. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 28. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. 
God protected those who acted by faith so that his plans and purposes could be fulfilled. Moses leads his people to, to in faith, obey God's special instructions to sacrifice a lamb, sprinkling its blood over the doorposts so that the angel of death would pass over their households. It was this moment as Pharaoh loses the life of his son, yet the Hebrews are spared. He is done with Israel and agrees to let them go. God protected those who acted by faith so that his plans and purposes could be fulfilled. God's special protection of his people enabled them to leave Egypt and begin their journey to the promised land. And God still protects his people today so that his plans and purposes can be accomplished what we see from the example of faith from Moses is that he experienced the blessings of the faith of previous generations. Moses demonstrated faith for his generation and Moses led by faith for future generations. Each of us are at a different age and different stage in our lives. But each of us can still appreciate the blessings of the faith of the generations gone before us be active in our faith for our generation and lead by faith for future generations. What has God asked you to accomplish in faith for your generation and the generations to come? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Who are you sharing your life of faith with? Who are you sowing into so that your generation and the next generations will be blessed by faith? 2 Timothy 2.2 And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Who are you entrusting what you have learnt to? Leave a legacy of faith to those around you. Leave a legacy of faith in your family, in your friends, in your neighbours. Share with them and teach them from the scriptures about why you have hope in Jesus Christ. Faithfully sow into those around you. You know, Moses he led generational change. And we too can impact generations in and by faith. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the example of Moses who led generational change. Lord, he, he received the blessing of faith of the generations that had gone before him. He demonstrated faith for his generation and he led by faith imparting faith to the generations to come. And Lord, I pray that we would have this mindset that we would understand what we have been blessed with by those who have gone before us. That Lord, we would also be active in demonstrating the faith that we have for our generation 
and we would have in mind the generations of the future that you would have come to know you by saving faith. And so may you help focus our efforts on leaving a legacy of faith in those around us. May we lead by example to our our own generations and impart faith to our peers. And may we lead by imparting faith and teaching to the next generation. Lord, may we be faithful to those that you have entrusted to us to share and teach from the scriptures about why we have hope in you. May you give us fruitful moments to invest into the lives of others, the reasons why we have hope in you. And may we be able to share those stories of hope in our lives with others so that they can come to a saving faith in you, Lord Jesus. Help us learn the lessons from Moses and follow his example of faith by imparting faith in others. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for joining with us for church today. It's been a privilege to be able to share with you the hope that we do have in in Jesus Christ, the hope that we have in our faith in Him. And may I encourage you, impart faith to others, impart your faith to those that God has entrusted to you. Be a leader amongst your generation. Lead the next generation and impart faith. And as we close the service today, as we sing, uh, let's sing in worship of this great God who gives us hope. And let's, let's be a blessing to those around us as we impart faith to those around us. Blessings to everyone. I raise a hallelujah In the presence of my enemies I raise a hallelujah Louder than the unbelief I raise a hallelujah My weapon is a melody I raise a hallelujah Heaven comes to fight for me
His love 